Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to talk baseball with David Brown, senior MLB writer for Bally Sports. I think I got your title right this time, Dave. That's, uh, I mean, yeah, that is exactly what I am. Good. It's, uh, well, it's a title that, that is I, in progress. You I, know? Didn't write it, I didn't write it down. I probably should. It's just it sounds like for, that's what it is. For what's on my contract, that's perfect. So that's good. I'm going to put that on there. Oh, you got a contract. I mean, I that's nice. That's what got I, me in trouble with the athletic. We're kind of inside baseball. I, I didn't. Oh, have, that's right. I didn't yeah. have one, and then they said, "Hey, he doesn't have one. We can. We don't need to pay him anymore." And so they they did. Well, they've made a lot of decisions with the people that they do pay. They don't send them anywhere hardly as much as they used to. So, as much as uh, the people in the athletic are missing the discipio point of view, uh, they're missing a few things right now. It's a, it's, it's a weird time to be a journalist. So I, I was, before we went on, I was watching, um, the Red Sox feed of, uh, Red Sox and, uh, and the barbs and, um, which the, uh, the Braves just walked off the, um, Red Sox, but, yes. um, Dennis Eckersley and, um, uh, Babe O'Brien were, chatting and dave said oh he said we got a, a nba score the bucks just beat the celtics now this they're they're announcing this game in atlanta yeah and Eck goes wait a minute that game was here right <laughs> dennis you're not supposed to give it away that we're not actually in atlanta <laughs> right right I mean, because sometimes guys, will, you know, sometimes like announcers will be like, it, it is kind of annoying, like a day game, especially uh, in hockey or basketball where they're inside. And they'll be like, you know, it's a game starting at noon. And right. they're like, well, you know, tonight. It's like, no, it's not tonight. But I don't think even a guy like Dennis Eckersley is literally going to get the city wrong that he's in, unless he's in concussion protocol. And that could happen. Because sometimes you don't know. What city are you in? I don't know. Boston. Well, close enough. I enjoy Dennis Eckersley a lot, but it does seem like, he might actually forget where he is. It could. Yeah. He is great. And speaking of Dennis Eckersley, um, and I'm not going to, people know, cause I'm not even going to bother to tie the two together. If you don't, you can Google it. Did you catch Rick Manning swearing during a broadcast the other day? Was that Rick Manning? I thought it was the White Sox broadcast. No, this was, that was the best part was when um, Andrew Vaughn clanked a ball out to right field. Rick Manning was so offended that even as the opposing announcer, he goes, you've got to be shitting me. <laughs> <laughs> you got your clankers. Uh, oh, it wasn't. It was, was uh, Gavin Sheets. Sheets. Yeah, it was Gavin Sheets. Does it, does it matter with those it, two? It matters Aren't to their they moms. interchangeably One is clanking? left-handed. One is right-handed. Well, maybe. Are we sure that the one didn't grab the wrong glove and had to play the entire inning we with the glove sure. on the wrong hand? And that's it why very you catch well could have happened just like that, that kind of stuff happens. Happens more than you think <laughs> in Major League Baseball. Guys yeah. just get out to their position like, oh, this glove is for the wrong hand. Right. Ah, screw it. I'll be fine. <laughs> it's leather. And you know the ball will find you. If you have the, if you have the glove on the wrong hand, that's a right. saying as old as baseball itself. The ball will find you. happens with tomorrow. It happened to El Demaro several times today, to the point where poor Rick Sutcliffe is. If I'm El Demaro, uh, I'm getting a restraining order against Rick Sutcliffe. Because he is, Rick did tell us, he's going to be announcing the games in Arizona this weekend. Apparently Jim Deshaies got like a whole week off. 
It's great. And well, Boog, Boog is not going to do the games in Arizona. He let us know that. Um, ESPN commitment? or Well, I believe, I guess, I think Friday they are the Apple TV Plus game. And then Sunday he would be doing, yeah, so I guess instead of going to Arizona for a game, right. um, he's going to let uh, Pat or, God forbid, uh, Chris Myers. Yeah. Chris Myers. I think Chris Myers has NASCAR to do, so it's probably, it's either Beth Mullins or it's Pat Hughes. Right. Now, did you catch any of the – this was our first uh, brunch with Benetti over the weekend. I did the, watch it. The yeah. Peacock game, which was also on NBC, which was savvy, to at least have the first one be on the mothership. Um, I, and I turned it – and I, I, turn, I tuned my TV to the over-the-air broadcast just to get into the Costas, Kubek groove, 80s groove with the broadcast. See, so you did – were you excited that they had Vin Scully do the open? I, you know what? You I saw, it? I did. I missed no. it. I, know, I thought it was I, nice. I saw that everybody liked it and I wanted to watch it and I saw links for it on Twitter and I did not click on them, but I, I would have if I had. So you know, I did. people who listen to my many podcasts or read my newsletter, whatever, will be like, wait a minute. Andy didn't actually watch the game, did he? He doesn't watch White Sox games. Mm. I didn't. I watched the Open. I wanted to see who the Red Sox announcer was and saw that it was Kevin Euclid with Steve Stone and Jason Benetti. Because Benetti's going to do the games with at least at least one announcer of the two teams and whenever they can, yeah. an announcer from both teams every week. Right. Which is, I think that's a good idea. That's, that's a very old-fashioned way to do it. They, that's how they right. used to do... That's how Al that's Michaels got to do a World Series... Because he was the Reds announcer, and he was in the rotation for one of those big red machine World Series. He got right. to do a World Series when he was still a local guy. Right. And then I watched the very beginning because I wanted to see what graphics they used. And they're like, oh, they used the NBC Sports, you know, regional graphics. Yeah. And I was checked out. So next week I'll actually watch a game because White Sox <laughs> yeah. won't be in it. Unless it's the Cardinals. And then I won't watch that either. You have your standards. I have my standards. They're stupid. They're yeah. petty. But they're mine. And I cling to them. I like the uh, the use of the old theme, and I don't know. Somebody played for me the theme that they used at the end when NBC had it, which was different than the da 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 theme. Oh, yeah. It was a little. It was a different piece of music, but it was good too. And it was. Uh, Would that have been the music that they queued up right before Ryan Sandberg hit uh, home run number two off of Bruce Sutter? Because Costas was doing the credits. Well, that would have been the da 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 da. Oh, he. Oh, that's right. So I, I think I know in my head, I think I can kind of hear the music you were talking about. Because I, yeah. I do believe that was the era when NBC had different, they had a, like right. a game-closing song, too. Yeah, sort of like uh, This Week in Baseball did, sort of. Where, didn't they? Yeah. They didn't play the Meet the Press music, did they? You know who wrote that? I don't. John Williams. Oh, wow. Yes, they went all out. They got John Williams to write the... Meet the press song, and I believe there it's called. Um, oh, I used to know it. It has this very overwrought name. There's a whole thing you can go to YouTube and listen to the whole thing. It's actually it's the meet. It's funny because you hear all this, all like the NBC news music you recognize within this like one like eleven mm-hmm. minute piece. They just pick out parts for different stuff. Like you hear the nightly news, right. um, and then you hear um, you, know, you recognize the meet the press part. And then um, you'll hear the the music from uh, later with Bob Costas. Mm. No, that's not really. In, no, that was, it wasn't part of that. I forget what it's called. I was thinking Gathering Storm, but that's not right because I'm thinking of Gathering Crowds, which of course was the This Week in Baseball music. Yeah, which is completely different. All right. Well, that was apropos of nothing. But um, but other than that, how did you enjoy the the broadcast? Uh. I liked it. I, you know, I like the, the Benetti Stone broadcast. I know you don't listen to watch the White Sox games, but they're very competent, um, which is is not always what you get in the past with the White Sox, and that's a good change of pace. And I like uh, he, you know, he's not polished, but uh, Veritech, not Veritech, Euclid, they are sort of similar. Um, is a uh, 
you know, he's got good energy and he tells good stories and, you know, um, I, I liked it. It's, uh, it's a big pain in the butt, uh, you know, to have baseball in 48 different channels, but I don't know. I don't want to complain about that too much. I don't have anything blacked out usually. Well, sometimes the Royals are blacked out depending on how I watch them, but that's good because it's the Royals, but it's not like people who live in Iowa who can't watch anything. They have a real complaint. I, you know, my complaints are minor. They've got a lot of complaints, starting with the fact that they live in Iowa. Yes. The other stuff is just piling on. Now, did you, I don't know, did they ever show, like, during the broadcast, the booth, did Euclid, like, hold his microphone weird, like, with his elbow way up over his head, <laughs> right, and you like could barely hear him, stuff. and they're like, uh, Euclid, you're going to have to pull that down a little bit. So. I didn't notice that. I know they talked about it. Actually, that was one of the things they, Benetti asked him where he got his batting stance from, and he said he, he didn't know. It was a bunch of different places. I was kind of disappointed in that answer. It's like, what are you hiding? What are you trying to hide, Euclid? Um, but they, they talked about his stance, but he didn't hold his microphone in any sort of he should he, he should come up with like, oh, when I was a kid, I had scoliosis and I had to wear the brace and that's the only way I could hold a bat. And I just got used to it. Yes. Just some bullshit story like that. A lie is fine. Yeah. yeah. If you stick to it, then no, it becomes the truth. Remember, George Costanza <laughs> once said, it's not a lie <laughs> if you believe it. <laughs> right. And that's how that's how our political system has evolved, too. So yes, that was absolutely. Pretty- just keep repeating it, and eventually it becomes Russians. Um, I like Benetti. I do. I really thought that ESPN should have simply made him the the Sunday night baseball guy. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of nice to see him get this weird um, late morning <laughs> time <laughs> slot on Peacock. <laughs> but it's better than nothing. So, yeah, so we've got um, apparently Tuesday nights is Turner. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. That game, I always forget. I want to. It's. I know that it's basically their like season long practice for the playoffs that right. they televise. Hey, as a bonus, we're going to televise it. We're going to watch. Sure, if not, don't worry about it. Um, and then Friday nights are a doubleheader on Apple TV Plus. We got the we got the Peacock on Sundays. At some point here, we'll get we'll get back to Saturday. Um, Late wow. afternoon, early evening, Fox or FS1 games. ESPN is Sunday Night Baseball. Um, and then there's going to be some YouTube games again, apparently. Oh, there there have been. There have been. Have been. It's like during the week at weird times, you know, 11 in the morning on a Wednesday. It's almost like the owners just said, find, just told Manfred, just go find anybody to give us money. Yes. And then we'll just. Oh, no, I think you diagnosed it. It's all short-term cash, you know. They talk about, well, we're growing the game with Apple II plus E, my, my computer that I had in, at John Jay Elementary. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess maybe they will by accident, but no, it's because of money. They get cash. And if, if Your elementary if, school was named after former Cardinal Cub and White Sox outfielder John Jay? We didn't know it. Wow. Yeah, everybody assumed it was for the first Chief Justice, yeah. but... Uh, yes, for a was, scrappy, uh, up and coming, he right. would he wouldn't even been in middle school at that time. That's no. pretty. That is prescient. He's retired, but I'm older than him. Mm-hmm. He just announced his retirement. Yeah, so I love he, I love when guys who haven't played for like a year and a half finally right. announce it. And everybody's oh, by like, the way, like, um, yeah, we we knew. We gathered. Yeah. Um. So we had a we had a weird occurrence in the um in the Rays. Does anybody get no hit more than the Tampa Bay Rays? You know, I that was one of the things that I thought I put together a day after story about Reed Detmer stone as no hitter. And I thought, man, it seems like the Rays it seems like Yandy Diaz is always making the last out in one of these <laughs> no hitters. But they hadn't been no hit in like ten years. Really? Really. I know I know. Look. Maybe I was I was. It felt like the Joe Madden right. Rays got no hit like every couple of weeks, and they were so that's, good. That's like the only way you can beat the Rays. Just no hit them. You can beat right. Them. Yeah, but, but apparently, way, oh, it, it might have been true at one time that the Rays got no hit a lot. But yeah, it had, I don't think it had happened since twenty. That that just doesn't seem possible now that I mentioned it. But I don't know. 
anything's possible. I know. Obviously, I know what you mean. Um, that game started with um, they <laughs> they just decided finally to give you Darvish all of his trophies. Did you see that <laughs> oh. picture? There's a table yeah. just full of trophies. Right <laughs> here, you go. Or not you, Darvish. Shohei Otani. They you, Darvish, showed yes. up trying to steal him, right. and they said no. <laughs> I have you, Darvish, on the mind because before the uh, the uh, Cubs Padres game today, him and Seiya Suzuki did a ceremonial uh, jersey swap. Right on the deck of the Missouri. Yes. And um, I I joke that the reason that they're they were doing it now is that Seiya decided he better swap jerseys before Jed trades him to the Padres for like. I retweeted that joke. Yes, it was funny. for four. Uh, elementary school kids. Orphans. Oh, right. Or whatever it was. Infants. Yes. But I'm sure all four of the guys they got for Darvish, they're all going to be uh, all going to be all-stars for years for the Cubs when the Cubs turn things around in 2037. It's going to be great. <laughs> so Shohei gets all of his trophies, and then uh, the game starts, and then you get all kinds of weird occurrences. You get a guy throwing a – making like his, what, sixth career start, something like that? 11. 11th, but yeah. Uh Throwing a no-hitter, the game being a big enough blowout that everybody's uh, favorite, uh, Brett Maverick. He doesn't go by Maverick anymore, does he? Wasn't he Brett Uh, Maverick Phillips? Yeah, you hear it, yes. Uh, Came in to pitch, and Mike Trout hit a ball about 800 feet off of him. Did you see uh, his tweet to Trout this morning? I didn't see that. Um, uh, Brett tweeted to Mike Trout, you got lucky. (laughs) Just <laughs> funny. Yes. Um, you know, yeah, it's. Uh, I I think that overall the position player business is overdone. Uh-huh. I think people probably whine about it too much too. But I think teams like the Rays. Oh my God! I know we have twelve relievers, but we can't use one of them for an inning. Yeah, we have to. Right. You know, we're going to burn them out. And they do, which is true. They do. They actually, they, they burn through relief pitchers. It, but it's not be, going to be because they pitched an extra inning in this right. one game. I don't know what advantage really. On the one hand, they're, they're saying, well, we're giving up on this game, but we're, we're competing in the long haul. That's their excuse. That's their reasoning. Well, I made, a, I made a proposal. Here's a sneak preview for anybody who listens to this tonight before the newsletter comes out in the morning. Uh, while going through the Cubs pitching staff, uh, I, I came up with an alternative that I'd like the Cubs to check in with Major League Baseball. Instead of ever pitching Mark Leiter Jr., if they could just ask if they could just plug in the pitching machine. <laughs> um, my joke then is a picture of Tom Ricketts, and it's like, who's going to pay for the electricity? Um, but maybe you should get, get to that. Maybe you could get to like, because it basically turns into coach pitch at that mm-hmm. point when you bring the right fielder in. Uh, to pitch, and they do it all the time. He's like fourth on the team in appearances. Yes. Um, and he's got a funny in in the case of Brett Phillips, he's got a funny shtick. Um, but yeah. at the same time, it's like it, uh, a co- a colleague, a former colleague, or whatever, Matt Snyder, who's the one of the bloggers at CBS. He played. He's got an old school heart or whatever. And he played baseball in Indiana. And he's like, is, does this not really kind of cross the line of mockery? And, you know, I'm not going to get like super mad about it, but it sort of does. It's like, well, you're giving up on the game and Brett Phillips comes in and basically he's like doing half of a Max Patkin routine yeah. out there. And he's, um, hmm. and then, you know, we're, we're, we're getting to Rendon, Anthony Rendon coming up and, and switching Going left-handed, he's got as you said the wrong. Yeah, he, he didn't even bother. To, he put the shin guard on his front leg and then turned around so it was on the back leg. I mean, in a in a way, and he comes up and he hits a home run. He's never hit left-handed before, and then he hits a home run, and it's fun and it's funny. But when you think about it in the context of what teams are doing, and and maybe these purists or whatever have a point that. There's a, a little bit – I know I don't take anything too seriously, but maybe they're taking it a little less serious than they ought to. Well, and he did it in the – with three outs to go for his own pitcher. And a no-hitter. Throwing a no-hitter. <laughs> right. Hey, let me do this clown thing. Yeah, I mean, and it's like on the, on the one hand, we talk about no-hitters and going – you know, there's people complaining about 
breaking, uh, you know, jinxing and all that and stuff that doesn't exist. And, but I mean, there is this kind of a semi-serious thing going on here and, um, you know, Reed Detmer's trying to finish out an old hitter. And all of a sudden we got, I mean, admittedly a clown show going on, you know, and it's, um, I don't know. I, 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 I listen to myself and I sound, you know, like a whiny curmudgeon, but I wonder if these people have a point. Well, uh, the last before he got traded, the last few times the Cubs were on the um, giving end, which didn't happen very often. The giving end of a blowout late in games, Javi Baez would bat left-handed, and he—I uh, think he's one for two as a lefty, and he hit—he almost homered in one of them. Um, makes a little more sense for Javi because Javi apparently does everything except throw a baseball left-handed, right? Which I think was the question I was going to have you ask him, but then he. Um, he bailed on your interview because he had the. Uh, Thanks to the balanced or unbalanced schedule, the Tigers do return to Kansas City. So maybe we'll get him on. He had a, his foot was too sore to talk to you. Is that it was happened? a thumb. It was no, it, it was wasn't thumb. that. It, it was, was a thumb. That's right. It was the thumb. That, you know, we we I got it. And he's like, okay, I'll talk to you like after the game. And it's these kind of interviews when I talk to these guys about weird stuff, like you know, do you do everything you know left-handed? You know. Yeah. That's more of a pregame yes, kind of thing. Right. It's not really an after the game. Yeah. But he's like, I don't really like to talk before the game, which I think I've heard him say before. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard him use the excuse. So I'm like, all right, we'll try it. But then his thumb just kept getting more swollen. Bigger and, and, swollen. Yeah. and he was like walking around with a club. And it just, I, it just <laughs> so the interview didn't happen. You could see the heartbeat in the thumb. Pulsating. Yes. But maybe we'll, we'll get him. And we'll find out about this left-handed business the next time the Tigers are in Kansas City. So, uh, Anthony Rendon, switch hits, hits a home run last night. Today, on the lineup card, Joe Madden listed him as a switch hitter. Joe's a cut-up. Yeah, pretty funny. (laughs) Um, So, I thought it was funny that so Rendon bats the wrong way and hits a home run. And just down the Pacific Coast Highway, at almost the exact same time, Frank Schwindel <laughs> misses a grand slam by like a foot, and everyone is blaming the baseball. And it's like, it's like the Angels have guys batting just for kicks, batting the other way in their home ring. Let's not. I'm not going to throw a pity party for Frank. He apparently was batting the proper way. Now, now, there's there's the one other factor, the two baseball factor, not the two. Yes, not the two factor often. Often. Um, so that the two baseball thing came up on the marquee telecast today. Hmm. Rick Sutcliffe had one of each. He and did. He gave them to Boog and asked Boog if he could tell the difference, and Boog could. Because hmm. Boog's on, pretty smart. On though. one ball, he could, you know, like with his fingernails, he could make the hide move. Ah. Where the other one was wound so tight that he couldn't. Right. So that was there. Then Rick's like, ah, oh, we proved it. <laughs> to which about 30 right. seconds later, Boog is like, okay, well, we didn't prove anything. But yes, we, sample is, size, scientific method ignored. Right. But you found two baseballs and they're different, and now you're convinced. But yeah, that's, who knows where you found them and if they really are two, from two different batches. So is it the theory now that baseball is going to like sneak the, the, the old balls, the livelier balls into national TV games? <laughs> it's like what? No, just just switch back. If you're really that concerned about it, just go back to it. Whatever. With the supply chain, though, uh, how quickly can That's we? Right. Do this? They're all on a truck. Uh, the Texas governor has blocked the truck at the border. Right. They're having to search it, and the baseballs are being held up. There's they're on that Next truck. On the, that truck is full of PlayStation fives, baseballs, <laughs> and baby formula, and Texas won't let it into the country. You right. son of a bitch. Oh, it's terrible. The uh, so the the angels are since Joe went crazy, yeah, and and walked Corey Seager with the bases loaded. They're like eighteen and five. <laughs> there, cause and effect, Andy. Yes, they're in first place, even with the Astros who. Uh, I don't. I didn't see how they did tonight, but the Astros had won eight in a row, and they still couldn't catch the red hot. Joe Madden. Last time I saw. 
the yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, I mean, I you know, well, I mean, the Angels they they got the snow hitter out of Reed Detmers, who'd been kind of mediocre before, and um, Shohei hadn't really been hitting, but they've had Turner Ward, who's kind of I don't know, he's like a Dwight Smith kind of guy or something, you know, 28 year old mediocre bench player who's turned into a great power hitter, one of the deadliest in the American league for some reason. So that's going on. I don't know for how long, so I don't know how long Joe is going to have his team in first place, but they do have Trout and Otani. So yeah, they do have, they do have Mike Trout. Who's, OPS, I believe, is over 250 at the moment. Something, <laughs> something high. Apparently, he's good. We forgot because he got hurt last year. Everybody forgot that he was good, but apparently, he's good. And then Shohei is just ridiculous. So, um, it's not unlike the. I mean, you think of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and I think I mean it's pretty much like the Cubs with uh, Rafael Ortega and Alfonso <laughs> Rivas. I got you have, the both teams, two of the best players in baseball on their teams. They should be able to win copious amounts of games. It's an uncanny resemblance. You're right. So, uh, did, did you hear the Frank Schwindel saga about uh, going down and coming yeah, back? Got sent to Iowa, and um, it's a very similar story to me. I was telling you about the flat tire that I got. <laughs> um, he got, had a flat tire, so he couldn't leave immediately when he was dispatched to Des Moines. He had to wait till the morning and then take his car and get the tire fixed, and then he could take off. Meanwhile, um, unexplained uh, – I love that um, the Cubs won't disclose why David Robertson or Marcus Stroman are on the injured list, but if if you go to your Yahoo fantasy page, both of them have COVID-19 next to their names. That's the that's the information you get if you buy Fantasy Plus. <laughs> and so they called uh, Frank, and they're like, "Okay, Frank, where are you?" And he's like, oh, "I'm at the Super Eight that I live in in Elmhurst, or, <laughs> or wherever he lives. I haven't left yet." And like, "All right, we're just gonna we're gonna get you on a plane uh, to San Diego. We're not gonna send you down yet because we we need you." And um, uh, someone on Twitter. Uh, tweeted out, I don't think Frank's going to Iowa. He's on my flight to San Diego. And the best part was, the Cubs bought Frank a middle seat. (laughs) (laughs) All the way to San Diego. (sighs) At least he's, you know, kind of trim and angular, sort of. So now, the the Cubs are injury riddled at the moment. Uh, Stroman and Robertson are out for mysterious uh, reasons. Um, and then even some of their quote-unquote healthy players, Seiya Suzuki and Nico Horner both have bad ankles. Nico got his today uh, by running into an umpire. <laughs> Remember last year he ran into Ian Happ and they both broke the, it was like the the Mike Cameron, um, who oh. did Mike Cameron run into? Yeah. Uh, that one was bad. They almost killed each other. It happened. Horner really nailed each other last year. Uh, this time, uh, fly ball to center field. Jason Hayward misjudged it. Couldn't get to it. So Nico, who was in the shift, decided he needed to get over to cut it off. Ran right into the second base umpire out in short left field. Both of them went flying. Never yeah. happens. Nico writhing in pain on the ground. Hops up, says he's fine. Stays in the game. Inning ends. He takes his at bat. And then he disappears because his yeah. ankle is now the size of Paducah. Um, he's also hurt. Nick Madrigal has a bad back. He has a tiny little bad back. Um, <laughs> and, oh, <laughs> right after Horner got hurt, Rivas changed a, chased a pop-up down the right field line and kind of awkwardly hit. Teams love to put, like, the sidewalls at, like, mid-thigh height. Right. Just for maximum awkwardness and pain. And he nailed it and then fell into the net, Eloy style. And Suckcliffe was sure that he was going on the injury list, too. <laughs> oh, we lost another one! It's like, Rick, he's walking back to first base. Suckcliffe runs down there to carry him off the field. But one of the, one of the problems the Cubs have is that they are literally running out of guys on their 40-man roster t- that they can bring up. 
Yeah. Um, in the event that these guys end up on the injured list, uh, that's how they ended up with the great Ildemaro Vargas, um, who is who right now is on the team via the taxi squad. Right. He's technically on the team replacing one of the COVID guys. Right. Which means he's not he hasn't been put on the forty man yet because they don't want to have to do that. But if Horner ends up hurt, then they have to do that. Then somebody's got to go. Now, here's the good thing if you're Jed Hoyer. Your 40-man roster is mostly full of crap. <laughs> right. You can waive anybody, and they're getting through waivers because nobody else wants anybody. Right. So I love all the hand-wringing about, oh, my God. what? Oh, and they, this was great. Two guys got hurt. Um, Michael Hermosillo hadn't played forever. All of a sudden, bad quad. Sean Newcomb, who's pitched three times because they're trying to fix him, um, he also sore ankle. It's amazing those guys managed to get hurt <laughs> without doing anything. Right. So they're both on the injured list because uh, the Cubs seem deathly afraid to, to waive Michael Hermosillo because somebody's going to claim him. Because, I mean, if you get a chance to claim a guy with a 340 OPS, you're going <laughs> to jump at that. I'm sure it's one of the bad balls' fault. It Probably. He's... The, the Cubs in their little... In Spanish, to get hurt without doing anything, so they're both on the injured list cause, because it seemed definitely afraid to wave Michael Herman. Lehman doesn't, if you get a chance to claim a guy... <laughs> I don't know why my watch is repeating what I just said, not accurately. Anyway, sorry about that. that must, was that Siri? That was the other one. What's her name? Uh, Sylvia? No. I wonder if it's... One, you know, I, yeah. I wonder if it, when I said Michael... Hermosillo, if Siri got all excited. I think he did. You must have had to hit a button for all that to happen. No, it just started talking to me. Oh, God, I lost my train of thought, and I'm sure I was about to say something brilliant. Um, We're running out of players. Does that help? Yeah. Um, 40-man run. We were talking about the the phantom injuries, because, God, you wouldn't want to lose Sean Newcomb. What the Cubs had to trade for because they were so they were sure he wasn't going to get through waivers to them. Of course, that was just a few weeks ago when they when when only when there were teams other than the Reds that were between them and the Reds. Now, the <laughs> uh, Cubs have eleven wins. That leaves just three teams now that haven't haven't achieved their tenth win. Do you know who those teams are? The Tigers. Yes. And the. Uh... And the Tigers and the Reds and the. Uh... Isn't it your. Isn't it your Royals? Don't give them to me. At 9 and 18. Well, you live. Do they really only have nine wins? Yeah, they're 9 and 18. Yeah, they've they've sucked. Yes. They've, you know, going to have to fire some people. Suck. I don't know who. I mean, they're not going to fire Dayton, but. Mike Matheny can always go back to commercial real estate. It worked so well for him the first time. Not so good. Which was why he ended up managing the Cardinals. I mean, in Matheny's defense and the players who are there in their defense, you know, the, the Royals have not spent money in like they did a good job of spending money. They were like in the middle of the pack and even like almost in the top 10 when they went to the World Series and the year after. And then Hosmer and Moustakas left and they have, they've never replaced them with contracts. I mean, and it catches up to you. They, and they, they haven't had a great – I don't know why we're talking about the Royals, but <laughs> – their player development's been lousy, and their pitching hasn't come through, and it's just it's not fun right now. Yeah, I did. I did, I've, I've completely forgotten about it. But uh, you do you remember who the Field of Dreams matchup is this year? Yeah, it's uh, it's the Cubs and the Reds, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> sure, ESPN has that baby circled. <laughs> like, wait a minute, what? Why? Why did we agree to that? Huh? Can we? Can we change? Can there be a? Can we have a a well timed COVID outbreak and we get to replace them with real teams? Because right. it was supposed to be. So the field of dream game was supposed to happen in 2020 for the first time, right? And it was. Right. The White Sox and the Cardinals? White Sox and the Cardinals. And then the Cardinals, yeah. they all went over to Saugat and they licked doorknobs right before the season started. And then they <laughs> couldn't start the season for like two weeks. Screwed up everybody's schedule. 
And then it was going to be, I think, the White Sox and the Yankees. I think they, the Yankees were yeah. going to, hey, we'll hop over there for a game. That'll be right. fun. And then they ended up saying, all right, we just can't do it at all. But then they kept that matchup for last year. Um, but it's just funny that they're like, I got a brilliant idea. <laughs> Our showcase game. <laughs> Let's take the two worst teams in the National League and they'll play. Somebody's got to win. That's that's what they'll just have to title it. Somebody's got to win. That'll be great. It might end up being amusing, I guess. We'll see if Joey Votto's back from the COVID. Uh, there's a fairly good chance that one of the Cubs will, will literally just get lost in the corn. Right. Like, chase a, chase a home run out there, and they'll be like, they wait about 20 minutes, and like, just just substitute. We'll we'll send a helicopter. We'll send up a flare. Something. A drone. Yeah, right. we don't know where we don't know where Michael Hermosillo is. Maybe he's walking to Iowa. He's in Iowa. He's just walking to Des Moines. Right. Can we go to infrared? Do we see anything? <laughs> is that a deer or is it? What is right. that? I hate when they get the corn. They eat is it. Rob deer. Be out there detasseling. Pick up some extra <laughs> cash during the game. Uh, oh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about when we were, t- we were talking about the uh, the weird no hitter and the is yeah. the fa- is this whole thing that's really started early in the season when the Giants were whipping up on the Nationals and just kept doing it. In fact, there was I believe it was Mauricio Dubon, and if not, I just like to say no. That name Mauricio is Mauricio Dubon. He on a base or something. He he bunted. In like a nine-one game or whatever, and when he got back to the dugout, um, they showed uh, shots of the dugout of Gabe Kepler having a very animated conversation with Mauricio, and both broadcast teams, the Giants and the Nats, were like, "Ah, see, there's Gabe telling Mauricio, I know young, you know, I know you're a young player. We don't do that here." And then after the game, they asked Gabe about, it, and he's like, "No, I was telling him that was good because that's what we're gonna do." We, we're we not going to stop trying to score because it's stupid because it's baseball and no lead is safe because you can't run the clock out. And right. it's like, oh, that never happens. And then what happened this week? The, and then with the, the White, White Sox, Sox then... blew a, was it a six-run lead in the ninth inning? Yeah, six or, six or seven. Yeah. Maybe uh, seven to one. One of the Nationals got got mad. It was basically saying, "Well, if we get a big lead on them, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep scoring." <laughs> Which Gabe is like, "Yeah, that's fine. That's kind of the idea. Like, it's weird that we play one way until one team gets a what we think is a comfortable lead, and then apparently the team that's getting beat is the one who gets to decide, right? When when the other team should stop taking extra bases, trying to steal a base, bunting." Um, it gets back to uh, one of my favorite red asses, Bob Brenly, when he threw the fit when, um, was it Ben Davis? Ben Davis bunting on Kurt Schilling's no-hitter. Yeah. And he's throwing a fit about that's not how we do it. Do you remember what the score was when Ben Davis did it? I, it was like two to nothing. It was one to nothing. It was one to nothing. He was trying to get on base because he'd be the tying run. Right. Yeah. <sighs> that, I mean, that... <sighs> I mean, the unwritten rules of baseball are almost all bullshit. And they were, all, you know, you could tell they were written by crotchety old white men because the the ones we have to live with the most are the, well, you can't stand there and watch a home run that you hit 800 feet. You're not allowed to admire it. Don't flip your bat. Whatever you, oh my God, don't do that. Um, don't swing don't on a three. Don't do. swing on a three zero pitch if you're way up in a game. I have Fernando Tatis. He apologized. It's bullshit. Um, I always thought that the the reason for the once you're up six or seven runs not to do that is at some point everybody's like if we just make some outs so we can go home. <laughs> I mean, well, yes, you're gonna win. Let's. This doesn't need to last four hours. Just. But at the other hand, if the other team is gonna bring in like the right fielder to pitch. Because that happened in one of those Giants games. Jack Peterson hit a home run off of one of the Nats position players. 
And they ask him about it, and he's like, they were be trying to hit a home run? He's like, of course I was trying to hit a home run. He was trying to get me out. I'm trying to hit a home run. And it's hell a lot easier because he's a position player. I wanted the homer. So I well, like the fact do, that there's a team that just is just embracing it. You don't want to go up, or you shouldn't want to go up there as a hitter. Oh, no, I want. I mean, I wanted to make it out. I mean, really, you, you joked a minute ago about teams just kind of making some outs so we can go home. But as a hitter, you don't want to go no. up there against another hitter who's pitching and making out. You look like a wuss. Well, I wasn't really joking. I think that's why those the unwritten those unwritten rules exist. Yeah. It was the team getting their ass kicked. It's like, just can we just you've we've already beaten us. Just make some outs, take and your I win, and go home. Because the only there's... way that works is if you stop trying to score when you're up. Then, yeah, that's the only way that works. Right. Maybe the unwritten rules should only apply in the opposite direction. If you're down eight nothing, you just don't you don't get to the swing anymore. You just have to stand there and take your strikeouts. Go home, you loser. Your team sucks. You're getting beat. Go home. <clears throat> or this would be better. What if the team that was up seven runs had to bring in a position player to pitch to get the game closer? Yeah, right. That would be – I like that idea. Yeah, I've always thought that the um, – you know, like the old free throw rule in basketball – which uh, has been amended. It used to be that if a player was injured and couldn't take his free throws, the other team could pick anybody on the team to shoot the free throws. Now you have to pick, you only have to pick from the guys, at least the NBA, the guys that were yeah. on the floor. You don't get to like, you know, Granville Waiters doesn't have to take off his sweats for the first time in four years and shoot a free throw. I've always thought that the same thing should happen if a, if a pitcher gets, um... oh, I know why I thought of this rule. Okay, so when they put the – you have to pitch to three batters yeah. in a relief appearance. And one of the big things that I always get back to, the same thing with when they're like, okay, we're going to – one of the rules we might change is the uh, having the way they do the shifts. What I want to know is what's the penalty? If a team lines up illegally in baseball, what is the penalty? Yeah. Same thing as what if you try to take your pitcher out? What's the penalty? Right now they're like, he can't leave. He's got to pitch. I think if you if you try to take your pitcher out, then the other team should be like, that's fine. We get to pick who's going to pitch. <laughs> We're going to pick anybody on your team, and that guy's got to pitch now. I like that rule. You could do the same in a blowout then. You could go out and, you know, all right, we're down by eight runs. We get to pick the pitcher now for the next inning and see what Well, we I mean, remember when they were talking about how they're going to change the playoffs – they were saying you could pick your own opponent. So, I mean, that's still far away from what you're saying, but it isn't completely foreign. Yeah, I was like that that concept because it, it it's it only exists for one reason, it's to piss people off. <laughs> it's for somebody to play the stupid, you know, the whole nobody respects us thing, which is always yes. crap. This could literally be what they wanted to play us. They think <laughs> we're so bad they wanted us. So that would be good. Yeah, I just, I don't, I've never understood that stuff. I just, um, I mean, we had a, we had a not, not unrelated thing during one of our Remember This Craps. I think it was the, it was 93, I think. Um, whatever Sammy Sosa's first 30-30 season was. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs were bad. And, you know, go figure. And Ron Santo was getting pissed because late in the season, Sammy, anytime he got on first base, was just trying to steal second base. Didn't care about, yeah. the, didn't care about the situation. Didn't care about anything. He was just trying to get to thirty stolen bases. He was just going to run. And Sano's getting all pissed off as a crotchety old white guy who wanted to right. enforce all the unwritten rules. And uh, it's like, all right, Ron, I got to tell you, if he gets thirty thirty, everybody's going to remember he got thirty thirty. They're not going to remember that he got thrown out eight times before he got the thirtieth <laughs> stolen base. Nobody's really going to care. You know, if the Cubs weren't 11 games out of first, maybe this would matter. It doesn't. Right. That was one of my, I remember that was one of my first, like, uh, eye rolls at the supposed unwritten rules of baseball. (laughs) Who cares? Nobody cares. (sighs) Maybe they ought to write them down then. If they're that important, maybe it's time somebody writes that stuff down. Well, they, they don't become unwritten anymore and they lose their. Mystique. And also, it's easier to 
understand how silly they are when somebody writes it down. I I did enjoy uh, Chris Woodward complaining about the uh, the home run. Um, I think it was a judge, right? Hit the hit the walk off homer. It was Glaber, wasn't it? Oh, it was, it was Glaber. Glaber. Right, it was Glaber. And yeah, he was tried to contain himself, and then finally said, "You know, that's a that's an out in ninety nine percent of parks." Um, you know, he said this is a little league park or whatever he said. Yeah. And then did you catch uh, Aaron Boone's retort to that? <laughs> yes, your math is wrong. <laughs> he goes, "There's only thirty parks. It can't be ninety nine percent." It's the smartest thing Aaron Boone will ever say. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I used to say when it, when it, when Aaron Boone was on uh, Sunday Night Baseball, I used to say that he always sounded like he had a gaping head wound. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious that the Yankees were like, that guy, that's the guy we want managing the team. Woo, listen to that. It's a good leader. of men. Apparently. So they claim. Apparently, he's a good leader of men. Oh. <sighs> So the um, you know the Cubs are beat up. The White Sox are also uh, beat up, which they are clinging to, uh, despite the fact that uh, one of the guys who's not hurt, Tim Anderson, has committed more errors this season than two big league teams. All of them in one inning, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he just committed twenty-seven errors in one inning against the Cleveland. Um. Everyone's just kind of assuming that, well, when the, the White Sox will get everybody back, they'll be fine. Um, but, I mean, I, if you, I mean, it's hard for me to say this because I don't watch them, but I know what happens. Um, they were basically a 500 team the entire second half last year, too. Right. So it could be that there's... A, a 500 team with not a lot of, you know, oomph or... Uh... It's like, well, we know we're coasting, and they sort of cop that attitude that you hate, that you, you or you worry that your front-running team is going to get. It happened to them, and they haven't been the same since, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're, there's something to what you're saying that it's not just it isn't just a matter of Eloy being hurt and Andrew Vaughn being hurt and so on down the line, and um, you know, some some of their better players and some of their mediocre players have been nothing. So have contributed very little. So it's not, it, they're, they're not very impressive. They played bad defense. They don't hit like they should have their pitching's all right. Um, but you know, with two of those th- three things, not necessarily working, you know, I mean, Byron Buxton and, and Carlos Correa, as long as they're on the field, they're pretty great players for, for Minnesota and the twins, it's not like the Twins have all kinds of depth, but I, I can easily see them winning this division easily. Um, here's how magnanimous I am. The White Sox have a have a hole at second base. I would, as a Cub fan, I would be willing to give them Nick Madrigal back. I, I knew you were going to say that. Just as a show of good faith. Would you like your slappy little singles hitting... <laughs> Lap happy. Tiny little second baseman. I I enjoyed making fun of Nick Madrigal when he was a White Sox. I thought it was a ludicrous. He was the fourth pick in the draft. The fourth pick in the draft. Uh, he came and hit 340 in his first, in this half pandemic season. Right. And then he hit 305 last year, but he got hurt. His average was, and he got hurt. And he's hitting, I don't even want to look it up. It's, uh, I think it starts with a two, but it might start with a one. It's not good. Um, But he makes up for it by, he never walks. Right. He hits for no power. Uh, He's not particularly fast. And he doesn't really play good defense. So so he's the total package, really. It was a good get get by Jed. It is a weird, it was a weird pick because like, how do you project this out? I mean, did they think he was going to be, what did they think he was going to be? I think both the Cubs and, or both the White Sox first and then the Cubs valued something dumb. And that was, there's not, you know, we get, we get these long arguments with people. There's not enough, the ball's not in play enough. It's too yeah. much. 
you know, home run, walk, or out. This three true outcome stuff. What this game needs are some guys who could just put the bat on the ball. Sure. And that would be fine if the guy putting the bat on the ball can hit it more than 64 miles an hour and off the ground once in a while. Um, So I think the White Sox are like, look, this is the perfect perfect compliment to what we have is this guy who's going to be hit the top of our order and he's going to hit line drives everywhere. He's never going to strike out. This is going to be great. And then after a while, they're like, I don't know. And um, then the Cubs are like, hey, you know what we need? We need a guy who's going to hit line drives all over the place. <laughs> and he's not uh, – and they're like, we got one of those. Huh? Well, there we go. Let's do this. And they did it. And now both teams are like, oh, that wasn't great. I wish we hadn't done that. It's very reminiscent of um, – Dave Kaplan likes to tell a story about the uh, um, when the Cubs got eliminated by the Dodgers in 2008. When they got swept by the Dodgers in 2008. They're out there in L.A. That was the famous one of the Cubs tore the water fountain off the wall. The Dodgers flooded the Dodger visiting dugout. And it was most likely Kerry Wood because he liked to destroy things after games. Um, Probably hit it with a boombox and not even a bat. But um, <laughs> apparently, Jim Henry and Lou and Max Sinatra and a few other guys are sitting in the are sitting in the lot in the bar in the lobby of the hotel, and Lou is pissing and moaning up to Henry about how we're too right-handed. That's our that was our big problem with this whole uh, this whole thing. We're just too right-handed. The only left-handed bat you gave me is the freaking guy from Japan who was batting with a wet newspaper. And so the Cubs responded in the offseason by um, trading away Mark DeRosa so they had enough money to go get Milton Bradley. (laughs) (sighs) It's like, okay, you're not, are you really fixing a problem or are you just making more different problems? (laughs) That's all they did. I feel like both the White Sox and Cubs with Nick Madrigal simply made different problems instead of fixing them. Right. Let's lose in a different way. Right. People can't say we didn't try. They could say you're dumb. But I guess they can't <laughs> say you didn't try. Um, oh, one of the things. Have you noticed this? I enjoy this. I, I, I don't know why I thought of it when... Uh, when Dusty Baker won his 2000th game as man, yeah. Bob Nightingale's Twitter feed just turned into the Dusty Baker. It all it often does turn into the Dusty yeah. Baker appreciation thing. What it reminded me of is Bob's one of these guys, and I I don't think you're one of these guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. There are there is some baseball Twitter that when a team tweets out congratulations to a player for getting his 10 years of service time, usually the MLBPA will tweet out that a player has 10 years of service time. There are certain writers who just immediately retweet it, like it's the biggest accomplishment ever. Right. It's like, are we? You're literally retweeting the fact that they now are fully vested in the pension plan. <laughs> that I mean, that's great for big... them, but I don't know that the fans give a shit. That Eric Hosmer is not only now fully vested, but the Padres can't trade him. <laughs> That's what you should be congratulating him, because now the Padres can't trade him, you know, without his consent. Right. Congratulations on your leverage. I just love that. There was a whole rash of them early in the season. Guys well, getting it's, their uh, you know, it's a way to show that you are, I don't know if it's ideologically or you're sympathetic or something, you're... Oh, you know, you, you worked hard to get here, and now you you got something out of it. I'm, I'm not saying that it's not. It just it seems weird to me. It that, is a little weird that that's that it gets like. I I think it's fine. If I if I was a player, I would want my union to recognize the fact that I got right. my ten years in. I think it's weird when National Baseball people then retweet it with comments too. It's like way to go. It's like what. <laughs> Way to not get cut for 10 years. Congratulations. Because I know it's a, it is a big deal for players. It opens all kinds of lifetime benefits that they heretofore were only eligible for a fraction of. Uh, but it seems odd that, we're spo- that fans in general are supposed to get super excited about it. Yeah. It's weird. You're, you're right. It's, it's, 
it's strange. It's a little bit of a strange thing for a fan to get excited about. And it also is kind of a little bit of a fanboy kind of attitude that the writer is adopting. That's like, my buddy got his, you know, his, yep. and it really well, does smack of we're pals, aren't we? Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> right? I mean, I will be happy like when some, when, uh, when the Cubs tweet out congratulations to Patrick Wisdom on being the first, the fastest player to 500 career strikeouts, I will be more than happy to retweet that for P Wiz. Congratulations! I don't know if the MLBPA is going to yeah. retweet that one. Though. That's true. Great hey, way to go. Nobody's ever struck out 500 times in their first hundred games, but you did it. We don't even know how you did it. It seemed mathematically impossible, but you did. Right. It's like Tim Anderson's errors. <laughs> I don't know what made me think of it, but um, maybe it was Il Demaro and his his uh, crazy day with the avoiding the baseball in the field today. But uh, um, somebody during a uh, Dodger game back in the seventies thought it would be really funny on a hot day. They saw uh, Steve Garvey's glove sitting on the bench in the sun. And he gave somebody, most likely Jay Johnstone, a great idea. They went back to the clubhouse, and they got a brownie, and they stuck it in the glove. <laughs> so the top of the first, the you know the Dodger PA announcer, here come the Dodgers. They run out of the field, and they all sat in the dugout and looked, and Steve put his hand in the glove and went, Ugh. <laughs> he, had a, he had a now a completely gooey brownie. Because he didn't put it like in the pocket. He actually shoved it into where his hand goes was, in the glove. Yeah. Yeah. Which I enjoyed. I don't know why I thought of that today. I said, oh, maybe I'm sure I thought maybe Mail Tomorrow has a brownie in his glove. Did you read that in a Jay Johnstone book? I have read all three right. Jay Johnstone books. As a young as a young child, I I uh temporary insanity. Yeah, I got that one. And I forget what the second one. There's an orange one and a blue one. And then there's some of my fa- some of my best friends are crazy, and that was he wrote that one after he retired. The crazy thing about those books was he wrote them while he was still playing. Yeah, and told like all kinds of stories. That I actually the reason I loved Temporary Insanity as a kid was he reprinted the entire uncensored Lee Elia rant. Ah, right. So where if when you're hearing the Les Grobstein one on the radio, it was all beeped. Right. And he and then in his second book he he thanked Lee Ilya for getting his book banned. Is <laughs> there were certain school libraries that wouldn't put the Jay Johnstone uh, book in it because of all of the colorful language. Right. Um, did Liss ever play uncensored versions of that? I seem it seems like he did, but I don't I might be misremembering. I mean, he certainly was on at a time when he right. could. Right. Cuz the what, what do they call him the not safe harbor laws. Obscenity laws? There is a certain time at night when they don't apply. And yeah. you play whatever the hell you want. Um, you know, you got to... would be a good question for Les, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, we won't be able to ask Les. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would have had to have clicked back over from Art Bell. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I was getting my getting my UFO news, uh, so I wouldn't have heard Les playing the potty mouth version of the Lee Elia thing. But uh, yeah, well, the one thing, and I've talked about the Jay Johnstone thing on the Remember This Crap podcast, because it comes, I bring him up whenever we hit a year when he was still a cub. Um, was he he credited the fact that he got away with, like he in the book, he's like. Some of these pranks, people don't know I was responsible for them mm. until now. Now I'm outing myself because he said the key to being a really good prankster is to not have the need to be there when the payoff comes. They said that always gives people away. They're too busy looking. So he would set them up and sometimes just leave and just wait for other people to tell him how great it was. I um, yeah, It is. Um, one of them involved Rick Sutcliffe too, where, um, while Rick was pitching, Jay went back into the clubhouse and um, cut the crotch out of Rick's underwear. So that <laughs> after the game, Rick was standing in his locker and pulled his underwear up, and it just kept going up until it got to his armpits. 
Jay's like, I wasn't anywhere around that. He goes, but I heard all about it the next day. It was even better just to hear other people tell the stories. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, uh, I remember reading the, as a kid, reading Ball Four. And just being like, oh, my God, you know, the stories he was telling and not even realizing what a scandal it was at the time Bouton wrote it because nobody ever told those kind of stories. In right. a book. And same thing. He was still he was still trying to be an active player when it got published. I think he was into his knuckleball phase because mm-hmm. he'd blown his arm out, but he was still trying to pitch. And there were certain teams that wouldn't wouldn't even consider signing him because right. of the book, which seems crazy now. But uh, but it was something that really happened the colin kaepernick of his day (laughs) yeah he took a principled stand about telling stories about mickey mantle screwing broads on the road just like colin kaepernick kneeling for the national anthem (laughs) poor jim bouton he was a victim before his time yes all right well i think when we get to the jay johnstone jim bouton portion of the podcast it's probably time to wrap up the uh the podcast i well, I think we're leaving on a high note, but you're you're right. Yes. All right. Well, uh, until next time. Um, thanks Dave. a lot, Dave. You're welcome, Andy. Many of us have herpes. 